Welcome to the Weekly Standard Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Graham. Let me start by apologizing for the scruffy sound of my voice. If you live in the D.C. area, you know there's been a cold going around and I've caught it. There's something else that's catchy here in D.C. Dumb. That's what I thought of, Chris Deaton, when I heard about what happened to Elizabeth Warren on the floor of the Senate. For the people, if if there's anyone left who doesn't Mm -hmm. know the story, just briefly bring us up to speed here. Sure. So Elizabeth Warren gave uh, a pretty big stem winder uh, last night in the Senate floor. It lasted about 50 minutes. And at a couple of points throughout her talk, uh, she was criticizing Jeff Sessions by quoting, um, if you want to use the term disparaging remarks, uh, certainly censorious remarks that um, other people have made against Sessions in the past. One of them was from a letter from Coretta Scott King, um, who said that I believe the exact quote was that Sessions is trying to chill uh, the black vote. Um, trying to freeze them out in his time at U- as U.S. attorney back in the 80s. Ted Kennedy said some uh, tough things as well during uh, Sessions' confirmation hearings uh, in the past for U.S. District Judge. By doing so, Warren was warned that she was in potential violation of essentially a decorum rule that the Senate polices itself with. Um, she was warned once, didn't have to be warned twice, because essentially what happened is that Mitch McConnell uh, shut her out of the debate over Jeff Sessions after she was found to be out of order that second time. Now, a couple of facts before we get to the analysis, the uh, documents she was quoting from that were so unkind mm-hmm. to Senator Sessions were from the mid-1980s when he was that's trying right. to get confirmed. So everything is 30 years old. That's, that's right. I just think that's important to keep in mind that mm-hmm. this stuff, you know, that that's old. And the other thing is that uh, Senator McConnell had no requirement to act. Mm-hmm. He took it upon himself to act. And this is part of that whole why we laugh when we see my fine colleague from New Hampshire, my good friend. And of course, we know the whole time what he's really thinking is that dirtbag who I hate and, you know, whatever. So this is that fake, nice, kind of Minnesota nice or Indiana nice in Thank your you. case, Christine. That, that's the, the Senate rule, right? Mm-hmm. That's, so, just, yeah, that's the way they do things. So how did Senator Warren respond when she was shut down? Well, not terribly kind, as to be expected, uh, because Elizabeth Warren, look, she's a politician. The best politicians are the ones who say they're not politicians, Michael. I mean, let's get that straight right now. And Elizabeth Warren is definitely one of those people. She appeals to uh, a progressive base by seeming to be and in a lot of cases, legitimately is authentic about her issues. And this has definitely been one of them fighting the broader agenda of the Trump administration. And Jeff Sessions is at the center of this right now. So what Warren does on the floor is that she appeals the ruling. The Senate takes a couple of votes uh, at her request um, and a colleague of hers, Kamala Harris, a freshman senator uh, from California, to essentially rescind um, the enforcement of this rule, allow Warren to continue participating in debate. That fails. First First phone call she makes, essentially, I think, is to MSNBC. Of course. And then she's on CNN. And now all of a sudden the message train is a rolling down the tracks. And these are the sorts of things that you and I were talking offline that might not have happened if it just would have been allowed to play itself out and Warren gives her speech and it disappears on YouTube. Who? What super genius inside the stupid party said, hey, We've got a chance for Donald Trump's Republicans to shut down a woman while she's reading a letter from the widow of a civil rights leader. Perfect. I mean, the only thing we better was if she had been nursing a baby at the time. If she had been feeding an, a, a, a Syrian refugee you know, from, from a bowl of soup who had been injured in the fighting, and then they had her dragged away and take her soup too. I mean, if you were looking for bad optics, mm-hmm. it doesn't get much better than this bad. 
that. Yeah. By extending it further there, I think you just demonstrated to our listeners how utterly rock bottom this almost could have been. Uh, it For me, it's a matter of necessity. There's an argument to be made that I've discussed with a couple of people that I understand from an institutional standpoint. And it's important to note that Mitch McConnell is a Senate institutionalist. Um, not to go off on a tangent, but that's one of the reasons why Mitch McConnell is kind of resistant to the idea of changing filibuster rules. Right. Uh, he's a person who honors Senate tradition. It's very important to him. So when it comes to something like this, you can superimpose that belief on top of what happened with, with the Warren situation last night. Look, you know, the Senate's a place of decorum. We have to do things the right way. Propriety matters here. Ergo, I'm going to shut you down. But that takes the PR aspect out of this. And that's really the important thing. That might work in the 19th century when you got a few newspapers and you don't read about it until right. the next day. Now, Elizabeth Warren's making those phone calls the snap of a finger. And Twitter Everybody's explodes, tweeting about it right Facebook away. Facebook ex- explodes. Right. It's the lead story on cable news. People get up and people who already think that the Republicans are anti-woman or unsympathetic women. People already think that Trump is a bully. And, of course, not that the Republicans have a uniquely flawed president Mm -hmm. representing them right now in the area of women. And, of course, Mm -hmm. we know what he grabs that I can't mention here Mm -hmm. in the uh, podcast. I mean, it really is like the trifecta of totally dumb. And that's the thing that concerns me most in the first three weeks of the uh, Trump administration. I'm not surprised that Trump is Trump. Mm -hmm. I'm not surprised that... Sean Spicer isn't the brightest bulb on the PR marquee. But I am really surprised that the Republicans in Congress, who've been there for a couple of years now and who were the majority for you know not, not that long ago, they seem so bad at this. I mean, look at what's happening with repealing and replacing Obamacare. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that there's a story that CNN published a few days ago that quoted multiple GOP leaders, and these are not small time. This is Orrin Hatch, Finance Committee Chairman. This is Greg Walden, who chairs Energy and Commerce in the House. These are committees that have oversight over this stuff. Big time players who are kind of going a little off message of what Paul Ryan and Mike Pence tried to roll out at the beginning of the new congressional session that, look, very clearly, this is a two-step process. Number one, we're going to repeal this. And number two, we're going to talk about, you know, in the coming weeks, these ideas that we have to implement a new regime. That's all you got to say. Yep. And now all of a sudden, these guys created a new story by saying, well, people who were expecting this big mega bill, that's not going to happen. And well, you know, maybe we should start using the word repair along with this mm-hmm. whole repeal thing. To me, when it comes to a point of political optics, one of the big questions that you have to ask, and I don't want to get into like political consulting one-on-one <laughs> stuff here or anything, not like I'm an authority on it or anything, but is to say, what does it cost me by not doing something? Mm-hmm. What does it cost me by not commenting to, th- to this reporter? Right. Well, you can stay on message at that point. You don't create a story. What does it cost Mitch McConnell to just allow Elizabeth Warren to talk for 50 minutes and not create a story? It doesn't cost you anything, exactly. I don't think. And in particular, with the backdrop of the failed overnight you know, camp out the Democrats had done for Betsy DeVos. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's an argument to be made, and I was making it yesterday in my Twitter feed. I am M. Graham, if you want to find me. Doing it once is whatever. Hail Mary, whatever. Doing it twice means you don't learn the lesson. Yeah. It means doing it twice. Hey, kids, we totally did a total waste of time and and highlighted our powerlessness. Let's do it again. But instead of the of the headline being, you know, dismal, dopey Democrats whine and cry while Republicans win. Who? Alliteration. I, I love an awful lot of alliteration always. <laughs> instead of that being the headline, what is the headline? 
Republican haters hate on Elizabeth Warren and hate on uh, Craig Scott King. Republicans silence, silence women. Elizabeth Warren. Women have been yeah. silenced. And yeah. it is so my last question for you, Chris Deaton, is do you think that Republicans are learning from this? Are you seeing any signs in your reporting on Capitol Hill, et cetera, that people are thinking, you know what, we we really do need to focus on the fundamentals of discipline, discipline of message, have some bright line markers we're going to hit like we're going to repeal on this day mm-hmm. as part of a bigger plan that we understand you can explain you know we're going to fight this fight for sessions but we're not going to fight these other fights have these cl- do you see any sign that they're learning or are they like the cleveland browns they yeah. just keep doing the same thing over and over again and just lower ticket prices also very sad uh well if you're looking for lessons about message discipline i mean you've got a great example donald trump is very good at it oh wait oh no sorry that's that's a, <laughs> that's a little off um so this is not really an environment to things, not really an environment to learn. Everything's happening so fast right now that yesterday's uh, news actually only happened 15 minutes ago, really. It didn't even happen yesterday. Uh, So Republicans are having to do a lot of this stuff on the fly. They have been out of power, that being the White House, which, you know, the executive branch becoming all more important nowadays. They've been out of power for eight years. There's a lot of legislating to be done, and they're not small-time deals. Trump wanting to do this immigration stuff, huge. Trade, same thing. Obamacare, it's been hanging around their shoulders for years now. So they have a lot of these bears to try to tackle at one time, and it's a very difficult thing. The only way that we're going to be able to tell whether or not Republicans are really learning their lesson is essentially by what we don't read in the coming Mm -hmm. weeks. Do they not give the media this type of fodder to work with, shooting themselves in the foot from a PR standpoint? Michael, it's so difficult nowadays to control message to begin with. They don't need to make it any more difficult. Well, you use the right metaphor. As I've often said, if you look down the barrel of a Republican gun, you will inevitably see a Republican foot. Chris Deaton, thanks so much for joining us here on the podcast. Thank you. You've been listening to the Weekly Standard Podcast. You can subscribe to these podcasts absolutely free at iTunes.com. While you're there, please give us a five-star rating. Say something about the program so other people can find it as well. And you can find all of our podcasts in the past at weeklystandard.com slash podcast. Thanks again for listening. I'm your host, Michael Graham.